Yes, sir. Welcome back to another Trapper Dive podcast. I'm your host of the Trapper Dive podcast, man. Molly Maul. Coach Maul, Hen Dog Maul, all that good stuff, man. Magic, I see you. What it do, baby? Um, Listen, AJ and Dre is on the way, Um, getting ready to, to, to hop in uh, the stream in any minute. Um, Before we get into that and get into the commanders, man, you, you know the vibes. What's going on, Monzi? Appreciate you checking in. If you are new to the show, man, hit that subscribe button. If you haven't done so already, hit that like button. We definitely appreciate that. Um, if you're on the podcast side, definitely appreciate you following if you haven't followed yet. Um, give us a rating and review if you have been following for some time and you you mess with the game, man. We definitely appreciate that. Uh, show your support, man. It's free. You know, don't charge you nothing. Just take about three minutes of your time, dog. Um, but with that being said, I think the fellas are good. So let me go ahead and bring them in to the show boom 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 and it is aj dre what's going on with y'all man what 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 aj aj what's going on with you player you i'm driving i'm driving at the moment yeah i mean i know you in the car you know what i'm saying are you in this you in you in, you in your home state or you in you saying you in oh yeah 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 i'm in virginia all right all right, I'm saying you know you gotta ask with, with AJ. You don't never know where AJ yeah. at, man. It's like where's Waldo? Find that man, Miss Perry. What's up? I appreciate you checking in this episode, man. Hope, hope all is well with you. Um, okay. So on the show today, we got like three main topics, bro. Um, how Forbes and even Dotson to an extent. Um, those are the those are the primary discussions that's been going on uh post game uh but even before we get into specifics in that essence um did we have any lingering thoughts on like after we didn't rewatch the game or or even um trying to trying to understand kind of like reevaluating our initial opinions um from Sunday today's been a busy week I gotta say today's been a busy week it has been a busy week for me <laughs> to to start uh, Monday and Tuesday, man. So I'm really I'm I'm only like 30 snaps into the defense. Um, haven't even gotten to the offense yet. Um, but oh, sorry, Quan Martin film session. That was seven snaps. That's easy to look at. Um, Quan Martin film session. Uh, just to put a little spotlight on him. That'll be out sometime after tonight, if not tomorrow morning. Um, so. For those looking for something uh from from the previous week or the, the falcons game uh watch out for that one but yeah any any thoughts on on, on what we saw um after after re-watching the game I'll, I'll get a floor to you all we can kind of move around from there yeah i mean i went back and uh watch watch uh some of the game in the all 22. damn i made the wrong turn but uh yeah uh pretty much man i think uh sam howell left a lot of plays out on the field I think there were a lot of opportunities, um, and I guess that's where like a lot of my issue comes in with Sam Howell. I think Eric Bieniemy is doing his best to help him get the ball out quicker, but yeah, man, he's he's pretty much one read shorty at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, it's just I don't know what to feel of this team yet because, like I said, it's kind of weird because. Outside of the Denver game, like the two wins we did have, I didn't really have a great feeling coming out of those two wins, you know, because um, it just feels like the same kind of slog under Ron Rivera. It just feels like this is how this team plays. You know, when they win, it's one of those things where you just feel like, man, we kind of grinded it out. I mean, you, you still feel good because it's a win, but as far as your outlook on the rest of the season, you know, it's always muddy. Like you just don't know. Like this team, like I, like I said last week, even after that uh, Bears loss, 
they're going to win more games this season. But the question is, how many games between seven and nine? <laughs> like, that's the thing. And that's what it feels like this team ceiling is. And this win over the Falcons doesn't make me feel like they're going to, you know, somehow go on a crazy run and go on a 10 game, uh, you know, go at least win 10 plus games this season. You know, I mean, it's the offense, man. Like, um, it's a little inconsistent right now. Like you said, we'll, we'll see them come out in the first half like they did against the Falcons. And I thought they had a really good first half. I mean, they went out there, they scored 17 points. You'll take 17 points in the first half every day, every Sunday. But then the second half, you come out and you really only got a touchdown off that quick turnover by Kendall Fuller. You know, and then after that, it was just stagnant for the rest of the game. So, you know, you, you still wonder, like, is this the kind of roller coaster you're going to see with this offense going forward? And is there a fix? Yeah, um, Hogshaven, uh, where you can also find us um, on hogshaven.com, by the way. Should have said that as well. In uh, the power rankings thing that we've done, we didn't, we wasn't able to touch on it last week. Uh, but the, the, the head title or the main title from the article is consistently inconsistent, Drake. Um, that's kind of what Washington is. That's kind of what Washington has been um, since Ron took over um i guess in specific in specific relation to ron's tenure um consistently inconsistent and like you have these moments where things are going really good right um and i think coming off of of, of a of a win in atlanta where you you get a an, a really good a really strong lead um and and honestly in a surprising fashion in in the sense of like you looked really good building and establishing that lead, right? Well, it was 24 to 10, I think was the was the largest, was the largest deficit. I mean, excuse me, the largest lead that they had against Atlanta. Um, so like when you when you have those moments uh where like you you see what it can be under um this current team, this current roster, uh you you also know that the inconsistent part is is trying to figure out like how the hell do you allow a team in Atlanta one to have multiple possessions and opportunities late in game to uh, take the lead or tie the game? And then, secondly, how do you allow a team like Atlanta to rack up as much pressures and sacks on um, Sam and that that offensive line? Uh, allow them to rack up over 400 yards of offense on your defense. Um, and, 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 and like those questions are something worse. And then on top of that, like you, you understand it, you know, you're winning these games, but, uh, and, and I, I shouldn't even say, but because creating turnovers is very important. This is exactly what we needed for this commander's defense. You needed a way to start forcing turnovers and creating turnovers. You got three of them against Desmond Ritter. Right. So that's really good. And, like the caveat is obvious is is the obvious you're not going to face a Desmond Ritter every single week but that doesn't matter like take advantage of the person that's in front of you um you did what you did um and that's that's really good but like the other things you have to ask yourself and I think Dre that's kind of what you're alluding to is like you, you don't know what to think of this team and and it's good that you know you're you're three and three heading into uh, another pivotal stretch in terms of divisional opponents the Giants are up next um then you have the Philadelphia Eagles and after the Eagles are the I think I want to say the Giants again? Let's see, Eagles. Oh, Patriots. I'm sorry. So yeah, you play you play the Patriots. Yeah, so it's like that consistently inconsistent thing is important. Uh, and 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 I guess from a growth standpoint, right? Uh, I heard earlier today, and this was true. We got to remind ourselves of what this season is. And let me pause for a second to acknowledge everybody. See hard, I see you, big dog. LHU. I, I we know we know what that mean, man. We know what that mean. Um, left hand up, year four, ten and seven minimum, if not clean house. He said, if not, look, man, brother, man, <laughs> brother, man. Ain't no if not. It's it's gonna happen. <laughs> um, Hulk, what's hey. going on with you, player? Appreciate. Yes, what's going on? AJ? It, it, I was gonna say it's cr- it's crazy how. People on here, our fans, our community was mad as hell at me and saying Ron Rivera ain't lasting, dog. And and it's like you bring up the schedule, Maul, just to jump up, uh, jump in there real quick. Who do they have really that you can look at on the remainder of the schedule aside from the Patriots 
that you feel like is a guaranteed win. But you can't even count that though. That's the funny thing. We yeah, you can't, play with you can't count it because because <laughs> Belichick Belichick loved to play young quarterbacks like a Sam Howell. Like they may yeah, not I have the offensive tools, too, right? but yeah, defensively, right. like he gonna dial it up. You yeah, some people be like the Rams. Who in that cornerback room is stopping Cooper Cup? <laughs> Who is stopping Aaron Donald? Like it's just the the rest of the games damn near could be losses. I'm I'm mad that I I, I just glossed over what PC said. Um, and you got damn right, bro. It's it's the Bears game that makes us consistently inconsistent. Win that game at four and two and flying high. Um, but even to that point, it I I, I hate to do the. I'm not going to do the back and forth all, all show, but even to that point, who's to say after we beat the Bears, we're going to beat the Falcons? Like, it's just it's this weird thing with, with this team, bro, like where you had these random letdowns that you can't predict. And that was that was the point. Like, the, the Falcons, I mean, the Bears game is like, you nobody saw that game coming. Like, you could you could you could imagine them losing, but not the way that they lost. But see, Let's get, um, oh, you got it, Drake. I was, I was just going to say, Ma, that's, that's my point exactly. Like, that Bears game was such a deflator. Like, I mean, because I personally wasn't counting the next stretch of games as wins. A lot of fans were. A lot of fans yeah. were saying, oh, we're, we're two and one, three and two. You know, they, but they were looking at this stretch of games between the Bears, the Falcons, and the Giants, and they were saying, hey, we can go five and two. I'm like, you know, I don't want to count, you know, my eggs before they hatch. And first game they go out, and this is on a Thursday night at home, you know, sold out. They're pumping up this crowd. And you go out and you lay a dud. And this, But the thing is, it's a dud that looked familiar under the Ron Rivera era. So that's what kind of deflated us. And after that game, you know, I wasn't looking at it like, oh, we're going to go out and lose the rest of their games. I'm like, no, we're going to still come out and eke out a couple of wins. We're going to, you know, just get to that little ceiling that we always have. That's just the feeling I have right now. And I think it's going to take maybe some kind of convincing win, maybe against the Giants, you know, especially against the Giants. I don't care who's starting at quarterback for the Giants this week. If you can go out there and convincingly win, then maybe that'll bring the air back up for us that, you know, that got deflated against the Bears. Because even after this Falcons win, I just don't feel so good. Come on, Dre. They they could go and beat the Giants and the Eagles back to back, and you would still be like, they are consistently inconsistent. No, because no, you still no, well, you still wouldn't to, you still wouldn't know what you're getting week to week. But but to your point, you're not wrong. Like, but you're you're thinking of it. I if I correct me if I'm wrong, AJ. But I think you're thinking of it from a standpoint of who like who we are, like the literal people on this show. But from a fan base perspective, we're we're geeking out collectively. We're geeking out over the win against Atlanta. Like a lot of people feel like this is a good win, and and I'm not. And for those that are listening, I'm not telling you you shouldn't like. When a win is a win, and and I'm not telling you how to be a fan, right? Like do your do your thing, but like that's the truth of the matter. You you went against the you went you went against the Giants, and then you you went against the Eagles. Uh, that's three straight dubs in a row going into going into that New England game. Like that's a big deal. Like that's gonna that's gonna change in there. That's gonna change people's narrative about how this thing happened. Um, or excuse me, how this season is coming about and in the future of the season. You're six. You're three and three right now. You're going to be five and three heading into New England. That's a big deal. And I, I don't oh, like who knows how they win, but if you win those two, like that the picture and the perspective is gonna be is changing dramatically and, for the better. And, yeah, and I was gonna, I was just talking, yeah. I was just talking about Dre. I ain't talking about the fans. The fans, <laughs> fans' opinions is way too wild and sporadic and all over the place for me to to even give you a post on that. Like so but no, AJ, I will say if they were, you know, hypothetically speaking, if they were to, you know, win the next two games against the Giants and the Eagles, my narrative would change a bit. And that's because this would be the best start by far under Ron Rivera, I believe. I don't yeah. think we've started five and three under Ron Rivera. Hell no. So, yeah. yeah. So, no. yeah. <laughs> that's why I say. So this will make me at least feel like, man, maybe, maybe they are, especially if you beat the Eagles, you know. And the Giants, you know, two division opponents in a row. You do that, yeah. Maybe the narrative will change, especially going into the New England game. But the funny thing about that is the narrative could change right back again if you win those two games and you go up there and lay an egg against New England. So speaking of winning, right, and in and changing the narrative, one thing that's gonna hurt the narrative is the conversation surrounding Sam Howe. Um I'm going to read this YouTube comment that I thought was really cool in terms of just perspective. Um, and I'll read my response to him as well. Uh, it was on our, our post-game podcast where he left a comment, I think, the next day. Let me try and pull it up for a second. Um, here it is. Read more. 
All right. So this is from off to another world. Appreciate you for, for leaving these thoughts too. You left two, uh, two detailed comments. So appreciate it. Uh, he said, every Sunday is an adventure for every team in the league. I point to the Browns beating the 49ers with the backup quarterback. The Bills damn near losing to the Giants and Philly losing to the Jets with their backup quarterback. We aren't as good as the 49ers, Bills, or Philly, but quote-unquote, any given Sunday is real. And I'm sure there was coaching blunders in those games. We somehow expect this team to be flawless. We also tend to overemphasize the negatives, like how holding the football. That is going to decrease as he gains more experience. At least he's cautious of it. You, you look at a lot of QBs in the league. They hold, a, they hold the ball from time to time. But fans will always be extreme with their takes. It is what it is. And I responded with, um, I, I obviously stating, a win is a win. Like, you take it point blank, period. But I also think that if you're finding ways to excuse just a few of the weakness weaknesses of an average, inconsistent football team, um, I, I think that's a problem. Any given Sunday in the NFL has always been true, but projecting Washington's consistent issues uh, in, in the coaching and its players onto every NFL team isn't the way to go about it. Truth of the matter is, why, uh, Howe has continuously battled with his internal clock, but as always, he flashes in each game with something. But you can't say it's going to decrease as he gains more experience. He's literally gaining more experience right now, and, and he's still having this issue. Um, coaching issues can lose you a football game just as much as poor execution from players. There's nothing extreme about that. Um, you won't be a true winning football team until things collectively approve. And to off to another world's point, this is my question to you all. And even to the chat, let us know what y'all are thinking. Uh, he believes that we're overemphasizing the negatives. Uh, do you think that we're overrating um, like the, the flaws in this team? I say I don't think we are. I also think that Sam Howe's discussion in terms of how he's holding the football is a very serious one because it can literally – it if. I'll leave it there because I, I can I can go on for days. So I'll give y'all the floor yeah. and then we can. I mean, I mean, I'll chime in. Uh, we appreciate your commentary and you watching the show. But I mean, the realistic standpoint of everything is we watch the games on Sunday, Thursday, Monday, or whatever to provide analysis. And unfortunately, this Washington Commanders team doesn't do anything at a great or an elite level. So when you make reference to teams like the Browns beating the, the 49ers. The Browns have an elite defense. That's why they can put themselves in opportunities and contention to beat the 49ers. When you talk about the Bills and the Giants game, the, <laughs> the Bills have an elite defense. The Jets have an elite defense to go and win against a Philadelphia Eagles with a Zach Wilson playing quarterback and not really being able to move the ball offensively. They literally won that game off of their defense from taking taking uh taking the ball out of J uh Jalen Hurts' hand and flipping the field. So when you reference back to Washington Commanders, they don't do any of those things great. So you have to pinpoint on the different things, the the nuances of the of Sam Howe holding on to the ball and taking sacks and delaying drives and holding them back offensively. Like I was driving earlier today and uh JP Finley and B Mitch were covering uh, you know, the stats with Sam Howell, he's lost the most yards in sacks this year. It's 250 plus. Like, you can't win games with a quarterback that is is giving up that much yardage in sacks. And it's the plays nice. are there. The Yeah, the plays are there to be made. So when people say, oh, he just needs more experience, that just tells me everything I need to know about how you watch the game of football and the player that you're watching individually. Sam Howell has been holding on to the ball since his college days, this is not brand new. This is new to the fan base is getting acclimated to Washington Commanders having a quarterback by the name of Sam Howe. But if you watch football and you've studied the game or studied this player in particular, he holds on to the ball. It's been an issue. It's going to always be an issue. Yes, there's other quarterbacks in the league that can get around that. A Patrick Mahomes can get around that. Why? Because he has the creativity, he has the escapability to make plays out of the pocket so he can hold the ball longer than usual. Josh Allen, same thing. Uh, Deshaun Watson. But then there's other guys that are kind of like statues in Derek Carr that can't really escape the pocket, has no creativity, and he takes a lot of sacks. 
the Matthew Staffords of the world take a lot of sacks. Daniel Jones, like he has, he has mobility, but he just don't even know what to really do. And he's number two behind Sam Howell in sacks for the year, and he's missed one game. <laughs> so and he might miss two with with this Sunday coming up. So it's like it's okay to critique players for what it is, and it's okay with certain players being who they are as well. That doesn't mean that Sam Howell can't throw the ball. He can't possibly be someone for this franchise. But I'm pretty damn sure if we have come to a consensus that this team may not have Ron Rivera as the head coach, which means everyone from his front office that he's brought in, Marty Herney, Mayhew, they're all going to be gone. The next regime is going to look at Sam Howell very strongly and say we can get better out of this quarterback position because we feel like this is just who he is. We're not in love with the kid. He can still be a backup, but he will not be our starter going forward, and we can't build around him. Because Eric Bieniemy is is doing the best that he can within what Sam Howell is able to do. But if you keep repeating the same thing, game in, game out, and possession out of possession, it's like, bruh, you, you can't be coached out of this. This is who you are. Like, And if you really take a deep dive and look at the tape, follow Maul. Follow him on Twitter. Let Maul tell it. He'll break it down to you and show you the plays that are open for Sam to take and, and what he does with his eyes and what he trusts. Like, we've seen it Sunday. He took a lot of sacks due to the fact he's not trusting his eyes or really what he wants to do. There's a lane for him to run. He's hesitant to do so. This is not NFL experience. If you go back to his college tape from when he started at UNC up until now, it's the same exact player. No, I mean, AJ's very passionate about it, but <laughs> I mean, I agree with him to an extent <laughs> in the sense that, um, I mean, yeah, it, I don't think it's overrating the flaws, man, because I mean, AJ actually took one of the points I was going to say in that Sam sack yardage that we've lost, you know, over his, the course of the season is well over 250 or somewhere around that number, which is absurd. I mean, that's a lot of yards lost, but in the same token, this is why Sam has been so polarizing so far. Sam does a lot of other things well. I mean, that's the funny thing. I mean, the sack thing is a flaw. It's a fatal flaw. And the thing is, no matter what else he does well, if he can't correct this, he'll never be an upper echelon starting quarterback in this league. I mean, he could probably be at best, you know, maybe the Derek Carr or somewhere in that range. But that's because he does do some things well. And I don't think we maybe talk about those things enough. You know, because, I mean, you can look at the numbers. I mean, I've seen people posting these little analytics that, you know, Sam could be a top 12 quarterback if, you know, if he's, you know, not taking the sacks that he's taking. And that goes to show you he has some talent. But it is not overrating it to point these things out. And the problem with a lot of our fan base is they don't want to hear the criticisms. But the issue is, you know, a lot of us, you know, at least the people who kind of want to observe things objectively, we need evidence from this team. We need to see to believe. Like it's, we're tired of kind of giving guys benefit of the doubt, especially you know in the Ron Rivera era. You know in the Ron Rivera era, we're year four. You know we, you know we're year one, year two. We may have a little bit more patience. We may have you know, hey, we can give guys a little bit benefit of doubt. But now we need to kind of see things in motion, you know, especially in this guy's, you know, make or break year. We need to see something in action. But that's not to say we have to rush Sam Howell. It's just we're going to kind of analyze things and be a little bit more critical. And a lot of people may not want to hear that, but you have to. You know, like I said, until they start giving us evidence and show us more, then we'll believe like the rest of you want us to believe. But it's no problem in analyzing these flaws for now because they are a big deal. I mean, we've lost some games or we haven't been as productive in games because of some of these flaws. And it's a, a real issue going forward in a sense. Like, we're not just going to blindly hope that we're going to get better going forward. Like, we are kind of concerned until we see something better or see something on a consistent basis from Sam. Not just Sam, because I don't want to just single him out, but even the defense. The defense had a really good game last week. I mean, I, I know a lot of people may not admit that. They had a good game, but they've had their bad games as well. And that's the thing. Which defense is going to show up on a week-to-week basis? Which Sam Howell are we going to get on a week-to-week basis? Which Eric Bieniemy are we going to get on a week-to-week basis? And I don't even want to highlight all of Sam Howell's issues as just a Sam Howell issue. I think I think Eric Bieniemy can help him out a little bit more, to be honest. I mean, I don't know if we talk about that enough, but Eric can certainly help him out a little bit more. I think Eric can grow as a play caller right now. I mean, sometimes I feel like Eric loses – 
uh, a rhythm in the game. I feel like sometimes he doesn't get the feel for the game a lot of times in the game, and he'll lose that. You know, he'll have moments where he has the offense rolling, then there's moments where it's like, man, what the hell are they doing out there? So, like I said, I don't want to just highlight Sam, you know, in this because I do think that Eric can work with him a little bit more and help him with his processing. So, um, where is it? PC mentioned I'd rather have a sack problem than fix a noodle arm. Um, besides the noodle arm part, there's been a conversation this week about I'd rather have a sack problem than a person who throws like endless interceptions or something like that, whatever the comment was. And to that point, I, I think to even like suggest one or the other is is like a <laughs> it, that that's that's not even good. Like I, I don't know the right word. It's, like, it's counter. Actual. It's counterintuitive. So counterintuitive. Thank you, uh, AJ. Like I, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to even suggest like you would have you would rather have one or the other because both are bad. Both kills drives. Both are matter of fact. Speaking of stats, um, AJ mentioned something about JP and and B Mitch. I heard something about like eighty percent of drives that have a sack uh, does not result in a touchdown. Like think think about think about it from that perspective. Um, so like from a flaw standpoint, that's one thing. Dre mentioned one thing too. And 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 um like we don't mention the positives enough. I think that's that is important, right? Because I, I think that's the reason why Sam Howell is so polarizing, and it's crazy how all of that always comes comes in, into Washington's situation. Like you see the good from him, right? You see somebody who has the arm talent to make every throw. You see a person who has grown from a week to week standpoint, like his composure in the pocket, uh, from uh week to week, it it, it it's solid from a standpoint of like, he's not getting rattled if there is pressure um, when he has to make a throw. Uh, he takes the big hits. Um, he was getting rocked in Atlanta uh, and and he's making uh, good passes in the intermediate to deep levels. Like those are really good for Sam Howe. Uh, his footwork in terms of how he's able to even elude tackles uh, or, or would be sacks and even make plays with his feet. Like he does that on a week to week basis. Like when somebody needs to create a Sam Howe mixtape turns <laughs> turns of the shit that he does with his feet. Um, like there's a lot of things that you can, you can work with, with Sam Howe, like his throw angles, like that's, that's also important because everything isn't going to be linear. You have to find a way to get around defenders. And for a person who's six feet, like your, your throw angles are going to be pretty important. Um, so like, there's a lot of good that you can look at with Sam Howe that says, I'm willing to stick around with this guy. Um, but, but, uh, Nikki Jabala, I saw this quote on Twitter where, um, I think she was on JP show. So, so he said, um, smart. What, what did she say? On Sam Howe's QB1 versus sex. She said, quote unquote, you can't know until you truly give him all the pieces he needs. The line isn't anywhere close to what it is three years ago until they really invest up front. I don't think we will know. Is this just a Sam issue or protection issue? Here's one thing. Excuse me. There are several things that I, I disagree. I disagree with that. Um, I, I responded. I responded back to it too. Yeah, the, the main I, thing I, I disagree one hundred percent. The thing I disagree with, like, first off, I'm, I'm gonna tell you, like, the the whole the the biggest flaw in that statement, like, first off, teams don't have. You have to give him what he. You have to figure out. You have to wait and see what this person is until you get him everything he needs. Quarterbacks and in younger guys. Like, sometimes they have to function within chaos. Like, everything can't be a perfect situation for them. That's the first thing. The second thing is there's nothing to say or suggest. Like, think about Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera is a living example of this, that whole statement. You said the line has to be – you have to invest into the offensive line and build that up. He has deconstructed the offensive line over four years. Like, that is a person who has de-emphasized the importance of the offensive line, whether he knew it or not. And – we're going to sit here and say that the next coach, like how much faith are you going to put in the next coach to really emphasize that? And you, and whether if they get one person or two people um, over the next couple years, right? There's nothing to suggest that they're going to heavily invest into that, onto that unit. They may look at other pieces and say, we can build around this. And, and that's kind of where it's like, you, you, you can't say that we need to wait until everything is perfect for him up front or as, as good as it can get. I agree that you need to invest in the offensive line, but there's no telling how things play out down the line where uh, where priorities change and you see something different that you may need for this team right away. And and that's kind of where I'm like, that's the main issue that I have with that. Um, but then secondly, you you wait like you could pass up on so many quarterbacks trying to figure out if Sam is the answer. 
Like that's a, that's another thing where it's like you you don't really know. Like Sam is a good quarterback right now that I at this point in the season would love to see him for the whole season, the the the, the full seventeen. Um, I I think that he has a chance to compete for for QB one in twenty twenty four. Um, but at the same time, if you're willing to to invest his whole rookie contract because you think that he you need to see what he looks like behind the offensive line. Imagine if he gets sacked two hundred. I'm making up a number, but imagine if he gets sacked two hundred times. In, in 36 starts he's on pace for 90 what a, a 95 96 this year 96. maybe 100 what's the record like 72 i think david carr got the record right <laughs> like if he gets sacked 200 times in two years what are we talking about like that is terrible That's Bro, not even, we, you can't win we not we're not even watching the game because it's clear as day that he has protection maybe not every play but every quarterback don't have a clean pocket. This ain't seven on seven. You feel me? So it's like, are we really paying attention to the game? Because they're creating pockets for him. So even if you invest even further into offensive line, doesn't guarantee that those players are going to be elite and going to be well enough to protect said quarterback. Like, I mean, we see guys get it done outside of the fact of having all pro offensive linemen. Like, it's just not fair. And then we got someone in the comments keep talking about Peyton Manning. Like, what does Peyton Manning and Sam Howe have in common? Like, honestly. <laughs> I don't – so I'm re, I'm reading what PC is saying now. I don't – I don't. yeah, I don't understand the, the Peyton Manning conversation. I, I get what you're saying in that rookies can grow. But I, I think – I think if you look at – if you look at what happens – like, you're, you're looking from a perspective of a he's a Hall of Fame quarterback now. But if there was Twitter that existed in in 99 or 98 when he was a rookie, the same exact conversations would be going on right now. Like, like that. But, that but is, you that also you also you also give him leeway because he's the number one pick overall. That, yeah, <laughs> whereas, he's the number one. Whereas like Sam so has investment. <laughs> you got oh, did you freeze, AJ? He froze. I think he, he froze. But I mean I mean, it's, you got to have nuance in the conversation, yeah. you know, and I, I'm with you. The, the Nikki Javala thing, it rubbed me the wrong way in the sense that it's not always the OL. Sure. I mean, the OL could be, it's, it's not one of the better OLs in the league, but I thought they had one of their better games against the Falcons. And we got sacked five times against the Falcons and the Falcons had five sacks all season going into the Hey, game. PC, I'm putting my middle finger up to you. I'm not going to do it on screen though, but my, my middle <laughs> finger's up right now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but at some point in all of those sacks, I mean, now granted, there was plays I felt like they were long developing in the game, you know, but the issue is Sam kind of freezes a little bit, like his internal clock kind of freezes. And that's one of the things you wonder, can he get better? It's a mental thing, but can he overcome the challenges? Can he get better from it at some point? Because Sam, had, I mean, he, he's not the fastest quarterback, but he can improvise. And that's what I want to see a little bit more of with Sam. Like, you know, okay, when, you're, when your reads are locked up, can you get out of the pocket and make something happen? He, he should be able to. I think we've seen Sam do that sometimes. He can do that. But you want to start to see that instead of him just sitting there kind of freezing, like, okay, I don't see anybody right now. I guess I'm just going to take a sack. Because some of those plays, he had, a, he had a good amount of time, I thought, to make something happen on the play, even if it was just to throw the ball away or get out of the pocket. But that's something we, want, we have to watch and monitor going forward. If this doesn't get better this season, why should we have confidence going forward that it's ever going to get better? So we do want to see that progress at some point this season. I mean, and we are going to get to see it because Sam, I don't, he hasn't give, given any reason at any point to be bitched at any point for the rest of the season. He hasn't given us any reason to want to call for Brissett in a sense. So we're going to see it, but we have to see this improvement at some point throughout the season. Two things. Um, I, I well, first off, let's not put all the record on Sam Howe. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. But I agree that he is functioning within chaos right now. That's 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 what I'm saying. Um, that's that's actually literally what I'm saying. Like you have to have a quarterback that's able to function within chaos. But the the sacks are like those are those are drive killers in a sense as well. Um, but then secondly, uh, Tommy like again made a, a really good point, and this is where we'll close it out with Sam Howe. Um, you still have to invest in the line with or without him. That's 100 facts. Like you got to do it regardless, and that's that's despite what the quarterback situation looks like. Um, all right. So let's go ahead and get into the next topic. Uh, chat. Let us know where you all are at. Um, again, appreciate everybody who's checking in right now. Um, 
where is my notes at? Um, oh, okay, here we go. How should Ron and Dale Real handle Emmanuel Forbes going forward? Um, we kind of touched on this Sunday, so that's that's going to be uh, an interesting conversation. But I'd love to get everybody's thoughts in the, in the chat. Um, should he get some snaps? or should he continue riding the bench um i do remember let me see if i can find the quotes from ron rivera but i do remember that ron rivera said yesterday something to the extent of um you know he's going to have a bright future uh gave like a lot of a, a positive reinforcements to emmanuel forbes and his presser um and, and that he thinks he just needs to learn a little bit uh, Dre, I will say one thing that that is positive from from Forbes standpoint, like everything that has happened in terms of even observing him on the sideline during the game, hearing him post game and, and even even pregame. It was a it was a video, I think, on Instagram with him, like like um, doing his pregame rituals with his with his DBs and he's locked in like he about to play. Like if you saw that video, if you saw that video before the game started you would have thought that man was going to get some snaps and that he was going to be he was going to be turned up for the game he didn't even play like I, I think his mindset is something that i'm like i'm really encouraged to see from a from a from a person that young he's not dejected he understands the situation he's receiving the the situation and, and processing the situation well um and in former from a person in that in that situation i can only think that he's just waiting and itching for that opportunity to go out there and prove his coaches that they made the right decision and that he's he's been able to accept his his circumstances and improve them when he got back on the field. Quan Martin is a guy, um, again, like for those who are just tuning in, there's going to be a film session coming out either tonight or tomorrow morning. Uh, some of his seven, seven snaps um, is, again, small sample size, but he did really good. Um, and was the highest graded, granted, small sample size, highest graded commander um, on the team uh, after after that Friday or after that Sunday's game. But a person Emmanuel Forbes situation, you know, he already has a person that he can lean on in Quan Martin. He didn't look good in preseason. And, and I'm not sitting here saying, hey, man, uh, Emmanuel Forbes go to Quan like, hey, bro, I know you sucked in the preseason, bro, but how did you <laughs> how did you overcome this? Like, nah, but like y'all can have common like conversations about like the downside of playing uh poorly as a professional football player and like having knowing that you can be better like you don't just verbally outright say it but you get it um but how do you feel about that dre uh in terms of uh what he what they should do for emmanuel forbes and also like your observations of of forbes since since the news that came out yeah i mean so we kind of had this conversation a bit the other day and that all right we know what his flaws are you've seen his flaws on tape in college and then, okay, some of these flaws have shown up early on in the season. You made your point. You benched him against Chicago. You benched him against Atlanta. Now, reports are that he may be benched indefinitely. But my thing is, okay. Ooh, that's a report. Saying, well, John Kime apparently said he could be benched indefinitely. That's what uh, oh, I've seen a couple of people saying. So, yeah, we, oh, we don't know. Jesus. Yeah, we, we don't know when we may see it. He, we, I mean, he could play this week. But my thing is, but the coaching staff is, you knew what his flaws were and you see his flaws now and now you're making a point, but now develop him. Like maybe, you know, if you saw his flaws, you had to have thought that you could work, you could work around his flaws or you could work with his flaws and get him to be the player that you want him to be. But if you're going to bench him indefinitely, you know, who knows if you're ever going to see that you, cause Maul, you just mentioned that, you know, he's still going through his pregame rituals and he's still doing all the right things. And that's great to see from a young player. But you wonder how long does that hold up for a young player before he gets discouraged? I mean, I don't know if he knew going into this game that he wasn't going to play at all. I mean, maybe they did tell him because when I seen him on the sidelines, he had his helmet on like I can go in at any moment, which I love to see. But you don't know if he knows when he's ever going to see the field again, if he's missed indefinitely. I mean, obviously, if there's an injury, he can get in at some point. But you just don't want to see his confidence go too far down. Like you want to see them give them, him another chance. Because, yeah, I mean, as you said, Ma, he sees what he did wrong, and he's itching to get back out there. Now, all right, you benched him, you know, a game and a half at this point. 
I will put him back out there this week, man. Test it. You know, maybe even if you don't want to start him, you want to put Danny Johnson out there for, you know, some snaps. But go ahead and ease him back in. You don't have to, like I said, give him 100% of the snaps or whatever the case may be. But ease him in. Maybe don't put him on the team's the team, the opposing team's best wide receiver. You know, put him against the number two, whatever the case may be. But let him let him let him start to gain some confidence again because you want to develop these flaws that the kid has. And I don't know if he's gonna develop these flaws if he's not playing. And the thing is, as we all know, depends on what happens this season. This regime could be out of the door. The next regime that comes in, they may not like Emmanuel Forbes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he can get tossed. Who knows? You know, but we want to see this kid at some point come back on the field sooner than later. I don't want this to be a later thing for him. AJ, uh, we are talking about the Emmanuel Forbes situation. Um, I, I had mentioned um, your question, how should Ron and JDR handle Forbes going forward? But also um, your general observations of Forbes since the news that came out, just in terms of what you saw from him um, and how he's been responding to uh, the benching. Uh, I mean, I think, uh, you know, outside looking in, he loves football. Like football is everything. You feel me? Um, he, he's got here for a reason. He was the 16th overall pick for a reason. So Jack Del Rio and, and Ron Rivera, you have to maintain his confidence and his swagger. That's what makes him the player that he is. But you also have to groom him, not during the season per se, but more so during the off season. That's when you had the time to, to help him, to, to perfect his technique in better ways or however it worked for your scheme. Because as we know, they're so scheme predicated on that side of the ball more so than, hey, we'll take advantage of your strengths as a player. So now in season, when, when it takes place, you make him the scapegoat. It, it's kind of hard, man. Like, how do you, how do you maintain that player's confidence? Cause the guys on the team know what he brings to the table. They like him. They love him. You feel me? But I've also been in spaces where uh, he wasn't, he wasn't my client, but he almost signed with me, but we were good friends overall. Take Brashad Breland former cornerback for the Washington Redskins, when they had that week one opening game against the Pittsburgh Steelers and Antonio Brown was was pretty much, I guess you could say, killing him, he never bounced back from that, from a confidence standpoint. And and Breland had all the tools in his bag to, to be an all-pro cornerback, but mentally it, it took a major toll on him from the aspect of the fan base after him being hard on himself you know, wanting perfection, you know, having that opportunity to go against a top dog like Antonio Brown and feeling embarrassed on a Monday night football scene. That's the only game on. He never really bounced back from that. I mean, he ended up going to other teams and, you know, being successful there and winning the championship overall with the Kansas City Chiefs. But as you see right now, he's he's at home, <laughs> you know. He, he's, he never bounced back from that and really reached his full potential with Emmanuel Forbes. You got to give him some reps, man. Like, you can't just have him on the bench. You can't feature this guy in five games and then all of a sudden tell me now he's a healthy scratch. Like, not inactive. He's active, but he's not getting no burn. Like, not one rep. He's not even contributing on special teams. So you're not even letting him go out there and try to show you his effort in tackling or making the player just being engaged with the game. He's just on the bench resting. And the defense is still getting cooked. Like, Desmond Ritter threw for 300 yards for the second time only in his career Sunday against Washington. So it's not like, oh, they brought in this replacement. Danny Johnson is doing so much better. And if you really felt like Danny Johnson could do what you want within your scheme, why invest a first-round pick into a cornerback? So it's it's just confusing. I don't know how they're going to work him back in. I don't know if they will work him back in. That's where I felt like after we watched the game, uh, Sunday, and we realized this off our naked eye, and now we have the actual facts to back it that he had no snaps. I think that he's not going to get another chance until someone gets injured, unfortunately. Well, I wanted to address a couple of the comments and that we see right now, and a lot of people are saying that you can't play Forbes because he needs to gain weight. 
But again, you knew that he needed to gain weight or he didn't have the weight when you drafted him. And my thing is, you don't have the luxury of drafting guys that can't play year one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Especially for a guy like Ron Rivera, who needed players that can contribute right now. And he goes out and drafts a player who a lot of fans are pretty much saying in the comments, he can't play year one because of his weight. So, But that's what they did. They drafted a guy that can't play right now. And who knows if he can ever play for us. You know what I mean? Because if Ron Rivera and them is not here next year, maybe the next regime comes in and they don't, they don't feel like they need a cornerback of Emmanuel Ford's stature. You know, that's what, so that's the whole point of this. Like you drafted a guy in a sense – that you don't know if you can play. And a lot of fans are telling me right now that you can't play him right now because he either can't tackle or he needs to gain weight. But we knew these things on draft night. So but, why did but, you do it? <laughs> but that's the thing. He he can play. I think we make too much uh, of an emphasis on the weight aspect because tackling doesn't derive based off of weight. You got Cody Barton who probably weighed 235, 240. Forbes got more tackles for losses than him. <laughs> yeah, he can't, he can't tackle for shit. And you've seen Emmanuel Forbes cover guys in this league already, be successful in winning those matchups, and also playing to his skill set. That interception he got against Denver was playing perfectly into his skill set, reading the quarterback's eyes and jumping around. Prior how about how he closed cut- the Cardinals game, AJ? Remember how he closed yeah, the Cardinals yeah, game? Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he shut one. that down on, on Hollywood Brown. So he showed you he Ran play. a route for him. Yeah, he, he, he knows route matches, so it's like, it's up to the scheme and the coaches to put him in the best position to not show his weaknesses. And that's for everybody on the team, not just Emmanuel Forbes. That's for each and every single player on the offensive side of the ball and defensively. And if you can't do that as a coaching staff, we, I mean, we already know we have an issue with the coaching staff, right? But like I said, prior to Sunday, only Emmanuel Forbes and Kendall Fuller had interceptions on this team. So you can't tell me that this man can't play. His weight is similar to a former NFL cornerback in Samari Roll. He he's kind of lanky, just like a Dominique Rogers Cromartie. And Actually, all of Fred Smoot. Fred Smoot was about this size. Yeah, right? Fred Smoot's small too. So it's not yeah. it's not a it's not about the weight. It's more so, hey, let's let you get these opportunities because the only way you can get to the level that we think that you could get is by getting reps. The same way people want Sam Howell or use that as a uh, as a excuse in some regard for experience, Emmanuel Forbes needs the same exact patience and the same amount of opportunities to show you what he can and what he can't do. But to give him five games and in those five games to go against premier wide receivers in and uh, A.J. Brown, a Stephon Diggs, D.J. Moore, he may not be household name to a lot of people, but he was damn sure good enough for him to be included in a package to move up to the number one pick in the NFL draft. So that tells you everything you need to know that he's he's solid enough, and most people would consider him a top 15 wide receiver. So if you're not going to protect your players, put them in the right position, it sucks. This has nothing to do with weight. It's more so coaching and getting guys prepared and understanding what is the plan when we actually take this guy. Because it's not just happening to Emmanuel Forbes. It's happening to a Quan Martin, you know, Maul broke down seven snaps from him. There's a whole injury of a player in the position that they supposedly said they got depth for, and that man only played seven snaps. And when he did come in, he was He's pretty aggressive. He 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 showed impact. Like he was a blitzer. He caused a strip sack fumble. Unfortunately, Cody Barton came down, slapped slapped Res, uh, Ritter across his his head, which became a rough in the passer. But that was the game changing play that Quan Martin made. He also blitzed again on a play that Kendall Fuller was able to jump and, and get a pick. But you look at the rest of the picks, Ricky Stromberg has had a couple snaps. He's not getting to play. They already they told us in training camp he's the red shirt pretty much. You got the fourth-round pick, Brendan Daniels. He's not playing. K.J. Henry has not been active for a game yet. Uh, Andre Jones got a couple snaps this weekend and probably a couple snaps before that. Chris Rodriguez, I don't know. He had Ebola, COVID, whatever. He was sick for like three weeks. Mm-hmm. He got he got some snaps Sunday. I feel like he's gonna get worked into the offense more. But overall, your draft picks aren't contributing. You're not in a position to not have your guys contribute. So we can't put the blame on Emmanuel Forbes. He has to be given the opportunity to go against those elite guys and learn the nuances of the game because overall. 
everyone else is getting cooked and we're watching weekly. This this is my major issue. We're watching weekly smart defensive coordinators get the best out of players, no matter if they're drafted first round or undrafted. Last night in the Cowboys game, we watched um, Marquise Bell. They highlighted him a lot during the game. He's from Florida A&M, undrafted. He's a safety, but they lined that man up at middle linebacker in a lot of plays. He was impactful in that game yesterday. We, we watched the Jets game. Tony Adams, who got the interception against Jalen Hurts, undrafted <laughs> and, but I, I in a think, rookie year. But, but I think, <laughs> like, even what you're doing now, um, you got to – like, we can't just uh, – uh, uh, like, solely focus on, like, the coverage reps. Like, there's – like, being able to tackle is an important thing. Like, if you can't – if you can't be – if you're a one-way player or one – I mean, so put it this. Let me ask you rephrase this. There's obvious cornerbacks out there who make business decisions or who can't, who 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 won't like really get their hands like that exists. And some of those cornerbacks are actually good, right? But if you are a liability, and to the point where like a a team can't trust you on the field, like I think that is a that is an important aspect in the run game, like and and. To, to to think like how how he can get on the field. Um, I kind of say it. I, I kind of said it in the post game thing. Like you got to find like obvious passing situations where you're willing to put him out there. That'd be one way. But bottom line is, man. Um, while technique and, and stuff like that is is one is one like issue that he's struggling with right now. Um, like that's also being able to to make plays in a run game or or even be in position in a run game like i seen i seen plays where he has literally avoided the gap like he got out of his gap or acted like he <laughs> that man acted like he ain't see the running back barreling through the gap bro and said oh oh damn my bad bro like i even look at the look at the, the eagles game i think the first touchdown from swift bro like there's that's just one example um, and then he'll over he'll overflow or, or over pursue a, a running back like he did that back in college and 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 like his his tempo's out of control like he he'd rather put an arm out than than really get his than really like do do yourself a favor and, and like a form tackle in a sense or even just have that technique where he can really make an impact no matter no matter what his weight is um and, and that's where I think like it's a bigger discussion for uh Emmanuel Forbes and just talking about his coverage reps and, and what he looks like in coverage. I think at the end of the day, when you're a first rounder um at cornerback, that's what you're gonna get drafted for. You're gonna get drafted for your coverage skills. So I don't think anybody um from the staff standpoint uh would would have taken him out if it was just being able to to overcome his 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 issues in coverage. Like I'm sure that they'll be perfectly fine with let him take his lumps. Um because they said it's they said it's such Heading into the uh, the Bears game, like they Listen, said, it's such. So but, I, I just think it's not Ma, it's not going to be it's not one it's not one thing. Like all I'm saying is you can't we can't just say we can't just have this conversation and sit here and think that it's it's only to do with one thing. It's several things that's going on with with Emmanuel Forbes, and I, and I think we need to acknowledge all of that because you can't you can't be on the field if they can't trust you in one in one major facet of, of a football, which is run is which is a run game. Can't trust yeah, you. we we can take heed to not being impactful or willing enough to get into the run fits and the gaps, right? But you specifically brought me in to turn over the ball, and you know that I am not a willing tackler. I'm not Devin Weatherspoon. I'm not Kristen Gonzalez. I'm not Draft Deontay Banks. Draft I'm Deontay not, Banks. I'm not Deontay <laughs> Banks. I'm not going to get my. I'm not going and, to get my nose dirty. So when you and, take me and you have all the resources. You brought me into meetings. You brought me to the facility. Don't expect me to now be a willing tackler now that I'm making millions and I'm the 16th pick overall in the draft. Like you brought but, but me what in I'm for saying, a reason. Let me do that. But what I'm saying, all right. And, and so what? Is, all right, let me ask you this then. So what does that look like? Um, we can we can kind of end the end the, the show with this conversation. Uh, but point being, like, what is what does that look like? Let you do what? What 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 do you what do you if you had suggestions for how Emmanuel Field, Forbes is going to see the field? What do you say? Let him do what? What, what does this, that look like? Let me play my game. Like, 
Let me do what you brought me in to do. I understand what you're Hold saying. Hold on, that's, but that's but that's platitude. That's like that's speaking in that's speaking in generalizations, bro. Like I, I don't need you to like be specific, like from a, a a technical standpoint. I don't. We don't like not for, not for not for this show. But what I'm saying is like if you're saying let him do him, like what what does that look like if they still if they still have him on the field in in second and five or or third and three or or uh, first and ten, like. What 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 does let him do him look like? Like what does that look like? When you when you when you invest your first round pick into a guy that you know is not a tackler, right? You have to just let it, it is what it is. Like if, if you so, wanted if you wanted a more all uh, all around player that's gonna stick his nose in there to make plays on the ball and tackle, then you draft that player. Don't pick a guy that you know is not that guy and expect them to change once they get into your arms, like. It's the same thing they did with Jamin Davis, bro. Like, it's it's been repeated, repeated actions by them. They took Jamin Davis and forced him to be a middle linebacker. You can't get off blocks in the SEC. But like, here, here's my here's that's, my, here's that's my, my thing. issue. Here, here's, I, I get it. And and what I said, what I said, what we said a couple of days ago is the same thing I'm saying right now. Like my major thing with this conversation, and, and I again, like I said it, I said it then. I didn't disagree with either what one of y'all was saying, Jerry and AJ. But my main thing is like we're past we made the pick. Like that's April. We're talking about April. Like we're here now. It's it's not about like letting him do him. Mind you, Ron Rivera's trying to win. Like they're trying to win too. And and they don't have time to in in the moment acknowledge a mistake or or what they may think is a mistake. I don't I'm not, I don't want to put those words in their mouth. Um, but they acknowledge that something isn't working right now, but they want to let him sit on the sideline and, and pick up things. And also, like, we gotta remember. Just from even when I'm talking about from a, a run game standpoint, his technique still isn't all up to par in terms of the secondary, in terms of his actual, excuse me, his coverage. Like some some of that stuff isn't there yet, and and that would mean conforming to to like a more zone situation where he can have eyes on the quarterback that can help him out, right? But at the same time, like though it's it's several things that even while I'm speaking from a a macro standpoint, they know exactly what the fuck is going on. And and I think from from having him just to say to put him out there and let him do him, like you can't you gotta limit that. You gotta limit that risk. And and limit that risk means if you're talking about a person who played 60% of the snaps in Emmanuel Forbes, I'm making a number up, I don't know what it was, but if you're talking about a person who played in 60% of the snaps in Emmanuel Forbes before he got benched, he's probably looking at like 12 now, if you want to get him on the field. Because it has to be situational. It has to be situations where you know they're gonna be on they're gonna be in a passing down. Um, and, and, and if they do decide to run it, God bless, but I will take my chances on them passing Emmanuel Forbes, get your ass in there. We're going to see if you can make a play. And and that's, that's kind of where I'm at, bro. I can't, I, I, I wouldn't even put that man out there watching what I saw on tape in terms of the run game. Like that shit, that shit is, that shit is detrimental, bro. Like he ain't just giving up explosive in the past game. And, and while I still, I still think, I still think that there was issues like people don't even mention which, which boggles my mind, fellas. People don't even mention the fact that the safeties are out of position so many times and they look at these cornerbacks and say, why the hell are these cornerbacks getting cooked? Nobody's putting blame on goddamn Percy Butler, Derek Forrest. Like, nobody's emphasis. Like, sure, you, you go from time to time and somebody put the tape out there, but nobody's mentioning the fact that Derek Forrest and Percy Butler is out of position oftentimes. Uh, Cam Curl, he's making plays for, for some situations, but when he's in that too high, like, sometimes he he's, he gets low, he lows too. So, like, nobody's thinking about these other things but to my old point, I wouldn't even put that man out there right now in terms of like putting him like back to his regular um, snap count. Like I'm limiting his snaps until I can see some growth. Like that's kind of where I'm but at. My question is, do you think he's going to get better at these flaws watching the game for a long period of time? I mean, is his flaws going to change by watching the game? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if you've seen these flaws on t- it's just like what AJ talked about with Sam Howell. AJ watched Sam Howell's tape. He said, in AJ's opinion, he doesn't think Sam Howell can change. He thinks that Sam Howell's going to always take these sacks because this is what he's always done. And this is kind of the same thing with Forbes. Is Forbes ever going to become a willing tackler? Is Forbes ever ever going to get over these flaws? Is he ever going to get over his weight concerns? You know, these are all of the things people are talking about, all of the things that's going on. Is he ever going to get over these things and become a playable player? Because right now, from everything we're hearing, everything everyone's saying, 
it sounds to me like we drafted a situational cornerback in the first round this year. Like, you know, is is he just ever is all he's ever going to be is a situational corner. Do you see him overcoming the flaws of being a willing tackler? I don't know. I mean, does the coaching yeah. staff see it? Do you find a way to make do you find a way to play him at any point in time? <laughs> there's, there's, there's not even an opportunity for a situational corner in the NFL. That that oh man, it's just tough, bro. Like, cause I feel I feel like when I say situational, I mean like three, four D three, three, four receiver sets. I mean eleven personnel is, is real common. So I guess I would say like four receiver sets. Um and or yeah. just 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 passing passing situations i don't i don't know like it, it's it, i don't know it's, it's so tough bro because it's like they put themselves that, in their hole i'm not going to disagree yeah, with you because i just because you like you we can't focus on april or may i can't remember exactly when the draft was again we can't focus on it anymore but the guy the honest truth you have to because it's like you didn't properly evaluate this player and now you're stuck with him. He's going to have to play. Whether it's with this regime or someone else, you're going to have to get him some type of burn. You feel me? Like, we understand that the run game is, is, is heavy, especially within the NFC East. But just looking at Emmanuel Forbes' technique coming out of college and even in the pros, bro, he ain't a tackler. Like, even when he goes to tackle, his head is down. He's pretty much almost giving himself a concussion every time he goes in there to tackle because his head is down, his technique is wrong. Either he's going to mess up his neck or he's going to be concussed. So he knows that. That's why he's making them business decisions like, hey, man, I'm cool. Like, somebody else can clean up this mess. I'm not about to put my head in there and put my body at risk. You know, I'll do what I do. And right now is is riding the bench because <laughs> the coaches – didn't really value the tape that they seen. And it just sucks because it, it's probably another wasted first round pick. Even, even if they switch regimes, another regime could come in and, and still be like, Hey, he's not willing enough tackler. Cause watching from the bench, he's not going to tackle better from watching on, on the bench. He, you can't tackle in practice. So when are you going to get the opportunities to learn how to wrap up and learn how to take that initiative to be active in the game? You thinking that you keeping him on the sideline is not going to change his attitude for him to to be more aggressive in that nature. If you wanted that type of guy, trade up and go get Devin Witherspoon. That's the you one. You feel me? Hey, like, I, I would get, say get, get Christian Gonzalez, but don't don't take an Emmanuel Forbes and now get pissed at the fact that he's not active in the run game because he wasn't in the SEC. I would say one thing, and this is it for me. Um, the counterpoint is you there's there's one thing for sure that that Danny Johnson brings to the table, and that motherfucker gonna hit you when he when he when he when he when he, when he lines somebody up, he's gonna hit you. And maybe uh I think perspective can change a lot in terms of um somebody seeing something and, and like I don't I don't know if it's gonna it's going to, I'm not saying this is going to work for Emmanuel Forbes. I'm just adding into it another perspective. But when you can see something from a sideline, from a standpoint of like, all right, I see how this unit is playing in terms of like no fear in the secondary. Um, I see a person who got a dude who's 70 pounds heavier than him. And he's still going to take on that contact. Like he ain't ducking no smoke. Um, when I get my opportunity, I need to, I need to let these people know. And I need to believe in myself that I can get something done. Um, again, I'm not saying this is a, what's going to happen. It's just another perspective. Um, Cause sometimes people do when they see things from a, another lens, it can, it can really help how they, how they handle their situations moving forward. Um, yes hey, or hey, no. Paul, I would, I would also, if you're, if you're open to it, maybe, maybe make a montage of him not being active in the, in the, in the run game attempts. Because, like, honestly, <laughs> this this conversation really only happens when when it's talked about Emmanuel Forbes. Everyone focuses just on the passing, but only between us three and even you can add Montel in the mix. It's only mentioned about his run fits and how he plays the run and tackling that this discussion really happens. Whether it be from a national standpoint, whatever, everyone's focused on the the pass uh, passing yards he gave with the DJ Moore and AJ Brown. But no one talks about how he's playing in the run game when when teams are running at him or in his direction and where he's supposed to be. There's a couple of plays that I remember, uh, like the goal line play against the Eagles, 
where Allen Allen jumped the wrong the wrong gap and uh Forbes should have been in that hole as well and he just stayed outside and yeah Swift just went in for a touchdown. Went in for a touchdown. Yeah, yeah so um, I, I I would just implore you to 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 possibly put together a montage if you could. Uh it might come off like you bashing Forbes, but it's just reality of what you put on tape. Um to be determined, man. TBD, man. But I, <laughs> but it, you ain't the only one. I see somebody in the I see somebody in the comments suggesting the same thing. So um TBD, TBD, man. Um we're gonna put out the we're gonna put out the uh the Quan Martin snaps tomorrow morning. It'll be out there first thing, 6 a.m., 7 a.m. ish. Uh, so y'all stay tuned for that. Uh we're gonna go and we'll we'll spend the block on Jahan Dotson on the, the preview show. Uh we did have one more topic there, but we'll spend the block on Jahan Dotson Thursday. Um, but that's gonna wrap it up for us. Hey, everybody in the chat, man, appreciate y'all checking in. We see some some new faces, skins fan 96. I may have missed you before, but if you're new, man, appreciate you checking in. Attitude error, appreciate you checking in. We got a couple comments from Miss Perry today. I see you, appreciate you checking in, Miss Perry. Um, but yeah, everybody again, like, subscribe, all that good stuff if you haven't done so. Fellas, be back on Thursday. Sam Pian previewing that goddamn Giants game, man. Y'all take it easy. We out of here. Peace. Yes, sir. Damn, set, hut, watch him throw the ball. We gon' pick it off. You gon' let him hit the hole or you gon' cut it off. You gon' play through fourth and long or you gon' punt it off. Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive, this is trap or die.